this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to another episode of the hindu's in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today earlier this month a married woman who was 26 weeks pregnant approached the supreme court asking to be allowed to terminate her pregnancy This was the woman's third pregnancy and she told the court that she did not want to have the baby. She also said she was suffering from postpartum depression and other health issues. She did not know of her pregnancy until quite late as she had been breastfeeding which can temporarily prevent pregnancies. The court first agreed to allow her to terminate but subsequently following a hospital report that said that the fetus was viable and had a heartbeat and a medical board report that said the pregnancy was not causing an immediate danger to the woman or the fetus's life the court rejected the woman's plea to abort the case has sparked a pro life versus pro choice debate as only last year in a landmark ruling in a case known as x versus nct the supreme court had said that it is the woman alone who has the right over her body and is the ultimate decision maker This apart however the case has also thrown into spotlight the laws surrounding abortion in India so what do the laws including the medical termination of pregnancy act say why do women need to approach the courts for a termination why is it that women across the country still find it hard to access safe and legal abortion services To discuss these questions and more, we have with us today Professor Deepika Jain, who is a professor of law, the vice dean and director for the Center for Justice, Law and Society at the Jindal Global Law School. Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Professor Deepika Jain. Hello, Zubeda. Thank you for having me. Professor, in the light of the Supreme Court's refusal to allow a pregnant woman at 26 weeks to undergo an abortion two weeks ago, Could you explain to us the current laws governing abortions in India? Sure, Zubeda. So, abortion in India is a qualified right. Now, what I mean by this is that um, the law in abortion on abortion in India is governed primarily by Section three twelve to three eighteen of the Indian Penal Code. Uh, and the Indian Penal Code provisions criminalize the person undertaking the abortion as well as the doctor who provides for the abortion or facilitates the abortion. And there is prosecution for both the persons under the IPC. However, in 1971, the government enacted the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act as an exception to IPC to exempt medical practitioners from criminal liability only if they terminate the pregnancy as per Section 3 and 5 of the MTP Act. The Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act has been amended on two occasions in 2002 and now very recently in 2021. and the 2002 amendment was quite significant because it introduced ma pills in the country which means that a person can terminate the pregnancy early pregnancy up to 7 weeks via ma pills and now that has been extended to 9 weeks uh and the 2021 amendment were also significant because um as an exception which is uh, as an exception to criminal law it allows medical practitioners to provide abortion services or up to 20 weeks uh, so if if a person needs um, a pregnant person needs termination up to 20 weeks they need to consult one medical practitioner and up to 24 weeks they need to consult two medical practitioners so basically there's a gestation period in these laws which sort of based on which termination is allowed which is why it's conditional it's not something that 
it's abortion is not at will in india it's conditioned and it's and, and, and it's basically a discretion of the doctor so uh, up to 20 weeks you need one medical practitioner's opinion to terminate your pregnancy and from 20 to 24 weeks you need two medical practitioner's opinion to terminate your pregnancy and from 24 weeks onwards there is only one condition two conditions under which medical termination of pregnancy is allowed the first one is in cases of fetal anomaly and in second one it's to save the life of the woman so this is how uh, the mtp act is structured and there are specific conditions mentioned under section 3 under which based on which a person can terminate pregnancy so for example to save the life of the woman in case of mental health injury and the third one is fetal anomaly and there are two explanations to these two sections the first one says that uh, in case of rape or sexual assault the person can get uh, termination and in the second explanation the the original act anticipated only women married women facing failure of contraception can access abortion services but this was changed after the 2021 legislation and now unmarried women can also access abortion services up to 20 weeks uh and uh, yeah i mean that's the broad law and uh and the doctor does not get prosecuted under this law as long as they perform abortion in good faith and they have protection under section 8 of the act so as you pointed out ma'am it is not an unconditional right correct yes no it's not it's an exception to ipc talk to us a little bit about what happened last year in 2022 when the supreme court began to allow unmarried and single women whose pregnancies are between 20 and 24 weeks to also ex- access abortion services at that point in the x versus nct um, case the supreme court had said that it is the woman alone who has the right over her body and is the ultimate decision maker in deciding if she wants an abortion correct right right so uh, this is a really significant important decision it's the x versus principal secretary health and family welfare department and another uh, in this case um, there was substantial sort of uh, additions to the 2021 amendment and they were all significant so uh, it was the case of an unmarried woman before the court where she was seeking termination from 20 to 24 weeks now what the amendment did it it, it allowed for termination up to 20 weeks but after 20 to 24 weeks it did not extend uh, the right to abortion for uh, for unmarried women it basically extended only to this certain categories of women which was then defined in the rule in the mtp rule and in the rule uh, there was a broad sort of a definition of who qualifies as within the certain category of women so for example it included survivors of rape incest minors women experiencing a change of marital status women with disability women with fetal anomaly and those living with emergency disaster or humanitarian crisis so you know as you can see in this list it did not include unmarried or single women so which is why this case was there before the supreme court and in this case the supreme court extended the right and broadened the categories of women to include unmarried women but also used a very important term saying it extends to anyone where there is material change in circumstances so which makes it very very broad now so that was really significant and apart from that the judgment also addressed some other barriers and concerns so for example it extended right to abortion and said very categorically that it's not only cis women 
who have right uh, who have access a right to access to abortion it's also trans persons and non binary persons so i think that was really significant and then it also sort of um, looked at some other significant aspects and legal barriers for example it it sort of created an understanding on how poxo and mtp the, the the way poxo and mtp interact it basically intimidates access to abortion services for adolescents because of the mandatory reporting in uh, requirement and uh, and so justice chandrachur judgment in this case sort of addressed that concern as well yeah so in that sense it was a really significant decision and it sort of addressed many things including uh, it acknowledged the chilling effect of criminalization of abortion under 3 12 to 3 18 and how the chilling effect can actually impede access to abortion for pregnant uh, persons because the doctors may feel intimidated in providing the services because of the cr- complex criminal law framework which is uh, 3 12 to 3 18 but also uh, mtp pcp ndt all of that all of these legal frameworks together create a very complex uh, barrier uh barriers legal barriers on access in india so then after last year's judgment does this particular case of this month seem to go against what the supreme court itself had said last year that that abortion should solely be the prerogative of the woman going through it yes definitely i mean what the judgment had actually done is it had only addressed the question up to 24 weeks and said that and and then had said that it is it is the right of the woman so basically what this decision had done is that it had expanded the categories of women from 20 to 24 weeks the current case in question is actually uh, uh, above 24 weeks now the law allows for termination after 24 weeks on two conditions and what this judgment uh, what this uh, supreme court order really says is that this case did not fall within those exceptions because there was no fetal anomaly and there was no sizable life uh, risk to her mental health and they based the entire decision on medical board reports which is really uh, which is actually the problem so what the 2021 law did is that it institutionalized medical boards and after 24 weeks only based on the opinion of the medical boards will the termination be allowed and we know that through a thorough analysis that these boards can be very erratic the opinion can be very erratic it can also be very delayed there are no guidelines on how these opinions are curated so i think there are significant concerns with the institution of medical board itself and the law actually never envisaged a third party authorization in the 1971 act so there is no authorization required from your spouse there's no authorization required from the court there's no authorization required from medical board the only authorization required is from these um once one set of doctors up to a certain gestation limit and then two set of doctors up to another set of certain set gestation limit and then only one uh, doctor's opinion after that gestation limit in that case it was 20 weeks and now it's 24 weeks but but the 2021 act uh, um law has actually institutionalized medical boards which is also part of the problem now because all the cases will have to go to the medical boards and they will then have to give opinions and based on those opinions the termination will be granted uh, and in this case uh, they they held that um, because the case did not fall under strictly under the law and because the medical opinion was very clear about the fact that uh, the woman did not the pregnant person did not have any uh, the woman in this case did not have any uh, men- uh, you know immediate risk to her health 
or life because the medicines she was having were uh, were pretty uh, i mean she was pretty stable with the medicines etc so uh, so i think that's basically where the problem is uh, having said that i mean there's a justice nagaratna's judgment in 2023 august where she allowed a pregnancy at 27 to be terminated and it wasn't based on fetal anomaly so so i think courts have in the past allowed for termination up to 33 weeks even and and sometimes those terminations especially in high court of delhi bombay calcutta they have not been based on fetal anomaly these terminations have been based on uh, situations such as socio economic conditions or mental health injury so so i think in that sense the jurisprudence could have been a little it could it could have expanded uh, and used some of the earlier precedent my next question was going to be about that doctor so many cases every year we hear of women approaching the high courts and sometimes the supreme court in order to be allowed the right to terminate what has been how have the courts usually dealt with such cases what has the usual jurisprudence been in such cases yeah so i think in the last uh, a decade or so since 2009 or 10 a lot of cases have gone to the courts so there are almost 1100 approximately cases in various high courts uh where 1100 women have petitioned or girls have petitioned the court to terminate the pregnancy so you can see it's an overwhelming problem and these are women who can access the courtroom who can access lawyers can access the justice system so you can imagine women who have not been able to access these services have not uh even approach the court so the numbers can be very overwhelming now uh i think it's really important to understand why are these cases going to the court when the when the law is very categorically uh saying that it is only the doctor that decides so basically this is a conversation between the gynecologist and and the patient it's the pregnant woman and her gynecologist that needs to decide and as far as uh, you know the i mean it's it's a very set principle that if the gynecologist feels that the pregnancy is safe to terminate at any stage it should be terminated uh so so i think uh what has happened in the last 10 years is many of these cases have gone to the court and there are very erratic decisions so indeterminacy in judicial decision making within abortion cases can be seen on case by case basis if you re- if you see these uh, these decisions from various high courts overwhelmingly the judiciary perceives abortion as an exceptional circumstance rather than a right afforded to a pregnant person there are paternalistic views that have led courts to grant abortion in cases of rape and unmarried women who are mostly considered and seen as victims and there is quite a bit of resistance where where the cases do not fall within these categories uh, and like i said there are termination there are cases where termination has been allowed up to 33 weeks there are cases where high courts have said very categorically don't come to us this is your right your doctor should be able to decide yet these cases keep going to the court now there are several reasons why that is so but the first reason in the previous law after 20 weeks a doctor could decide whether the termination was required to save the life of the woman and the and the woman didn't didn't did not need to really go to the court or have third party authorization but then there are many other reasons why one wants pregnancy termination after 20 weeks especially if it's safe uh, and and those were not addressed by the uh, earlier law so the recent law has addressed that so up to 24 weeks uh, broadly most women can most pregnant persons can seek termination but uh, i think after 24 weeks again the same thing uh, it's only the fetal anomaly cases that are allowed termination so 
you will see a lot of cases going to the court. But interestingly, uh, you know, in one of my articles, I've done a survey where we see that there are also cases that are going, there are cases that are that have gone to the court also for very early pregnancy, like eight weeks and 10 weeks. And it's to do with certain culture that has been institutionalized by the doctors or the healthcare providers are refusing to, you know, terminate their pregnancies, mostly because of the fear of prosecution or lack of clarity on whether abortion is legal in India. So, and I think that a lot of work has to be done there. But one of the most significant concerns has been that the combination of MTP plus POXO plus PCPNDT law plus the 312 to 318 creates a very draconian complex legal barrier where the doctors constantly feel the fear of prosecution, say, under POXO or the fear of surveillance and intimidation and harassment under PCPNDT or, or, or fear of prosecution. So basically, what is the law saying? That, that anything within MTP is okay, but if you terminate outside the MTP, you are going to get prosecuted. That's what the law is saying. So the exception is granting abortion rights based on certain conditions. And if you don't meet those conditions, you will get prosecuted. So naturally, the doctors don't want to then go ahead and take that risk. And, and of course, it's also to do, do with misconception. I mean, as far as the Indian law is concerned, up to 24 weeks, at least up to 20, 20 weeks, you can terminate your pregnancy with the advice of one doctor. And up to 24 weeks, it's two doctors. And, and now the categories have been expanded. And yet the cases keep coming to the courtroom. So I think this has to be addressed uh, because neither do uh, people have capacity to access courtrooms. So which means that most marginalized people never get to access courtrooms. And then they, what they do, what do they do? Then they have very few options. One is to carry unwanted pregnancy to term. The second option is that you access back alley abortion, which are extremely unsafe and there's risk to your life and health. And uh, so, so in that sense, it's a really, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. So do you, would you say that there is a case for decriminalizing abortion, ma'am, incompletely? Because as you just pointed us to us, the MTP Act, the POXO Act, which is um, applies to child sexual abuse, uh, and the uh, Act that tells you that you cannot uh, allow sex determination of a pregnancy, together form a very draconian legal system. So would you, you do think there is a case for decriminalizing of abortion services? Absolutely. Uh, abortion... Right. Currently, as we speak about legal framework in India, while we have an enabling framework, uh, the law is, you know, relatively, I mean, one in one is always comparing our laws with countries abroad and, and saying that, OK, India has a sizably progressive law. But if you think about it, it is not really progressive because A, it's conditional. B, it is still at the discretion of the doctor. The, the pregnant person has no right to decide whether or not she can seek abortion, it's not based on request, as in, say, in countries like Nepal. It's based on request. If It's based on your will. You can just, you don't need any reason to seek abortion services, right? So so that has to be there. And, and criminalization of abortion is leading to all these problems, the fear of prosecution amongst healthcare providers, the uh, barriers on access to abortion services by um, uh, you know, pregnant persons. So it has to be decriminalized, and and this has been acknowledged in the judgment in two thousand twenty-two by Justice Chandrachur's bench, where the, where where it said it's very clearly acknowledged that it does create fear of prosecution. There are now studies that establish that that there is been prosecution under this case. There's a doctor in two thousand twenty-one who was um in Meghalaya who was booked under this case under the MTP and Poxo 
for not even providing uh, abortion services. I mean, they were supposed to provide abortion services and didn't actually end up providing abortion services. I mean, it's a long case. I don't know if I have time to discuss it. But the the doctor was behind bars for a month and it's 2021, as recent as 2021. So there is sizable intimidation. So you can imagine if a doctor has gone through that under the law, will, will that, I mean, the important question is, will this doctor provide abortion services henceforth? You know, so so I think it's really important to understand that. Uh, and then he was booked under 312 of the uh, IPC, along with POXO and PCP NDT. So, you know, the three legal systems came together to actually penalize the doctor who got a ba- who got bail only after a month for doing something which is actually legal. It's legal to provide abortion in India, right? Under those circumstances, so yeah, I mean, in the, uh, I think the decriminalization of of abortion is, I mean, it's very very important, and it's it's about time that we we decriminalize abortion in India. And otherwise, this, um, I mean, you know, even if the government keeps saying that we have the most progressive law, it's really a gender just law. It actually does not translate as a gender just law on the ground, as we saw in the recent case as well because of several barriers. And one of the biggest barriers is criminalization as well. So that needs to be addressed. You spoke to us a little earlier, ma'am, about how even though 1,000 or so cases are coming every year to the courts, this is just the tip of the iceberg, correct? There are thousands and thousands of women who do not have that option of going to the court and who either have to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term or, as you said, seek a very unsafe and illegal abortion. Now, statistics indicate that about 67% of abortions in India are unsafe, causing at least eight women to die every single day. So how how do we begin to address this challenge? So the first step would be decriminalization of these services. I think there are several things that needs to be done. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, decriminalization is really important. And I think that will, at least that will take away some fear and intimidation in terms of even the misconception of whether or not law is le- uh, abortion is legal the second it has to be based on the decision of the pregnant person you cannot have a law that has third party authorization it's illegal internationally it's illegal and it doesn't make any sense i mean uh, you know if you just think about the recent case as well i mean there was so much uh, conversation amongst people about why can't a woman decide and get an abortion i mean what does this even why is there, why is this such a complex legal system uh, trying to govern a woman's decision to terminate, right? So, I mean, there have been those kind of valid questions in public as well. So, this has to, the reason we have all of these concerns is that uh, we don't have, uh, the the decisional autonomy of the woman is not respected within the law, and that has to happen. And the abortion has to be at will, without conditions. That's really important. So, the decriminalization will allow for that. So, basically, if you decriminalize 312, uh, to 318 and you you take away the entire section which which talks about um abortion prosecution for abortion both for the doctor and the pregnant person then you actually then you don't have the criminal legal framework any longer and and then of course we we can't stop there we have to have reforms within uh, within poxo for example recently a lot of high courts have spoken about decriminalization of consensual sexuality within uh, poxo uh, and the mandatory uh, reporting provision is really complicated so that has to be addressed uh, and 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 i think uh, while there is no uh, conflict between the legal design of mtp and pcp ndt there are two different laws addressing two different uh, uh, issues and and they don't really conflict in terms of legal design on the ground there is sizable uh, you know uh, i mean misunderstanding or fear amongst doctors for example they feel that if they provide third trimester abortion 
it can be construed as uh, abortion for sex determination and and so and then and and the PCPNDT law has sizable surveillance and harassment and intimidation and so so a lot of doctors are intimidated there are studies that have been done by many of the social scientists and doctors in india uh, i mean some doctors which have established that uh, you know uh, there's a very important study done by a few colleagues like suchitra shivas uh, suchitra dr suchitra dalvai and pawan and some other colleagues and and they they interviewed 19 gynecologists in maharashtra to see uh, why what is the legal barriers to access uh, providing abortion services and and that is quite a telling study which says that it is because uh, because of this uh, misunderstanding between the two to laws on the ground that they don't want to provide abortion services especially the second and the tri- third trimester because it can be construed as abortion within PCPNDT whereas PCPNDT does not talk about abortion at all PCPNDT is a law on diagnostics you cannot have diagnostics on sex determination that's it that's all that PCPNDT talks about so and and abortion is a legal right and has been a legal right since 1971 or uh, PCPNDT only came in 1990s so i think it's really important to for uh, and you know there is a ministry of health guidelines that has clarified this that they don't really conflict they actually exist separately but but there is sizable conflation and and no and, and i think there are studies now there is quite quite a lot of belief that a lot of doctors would not want to provide that so you know a, a mix of all of these coming together creates a huge barrier legal barrier for access to abortion services and that's really important and finally i think it's really important for us to ask this question that after 24 weeks if you're allowing a pregnant person to terminate on the grounds of fetal anomaly which means that you're you're accepting that pregnancies can be terminated in very late stages right so there is no upper gestation limit in law which means that you can terminate the pregnancy till very very late stage so if that is the case for fetal anomaly why can't you do that for anything else i mean the fact and, and that brings us back to this case uh, in the supreme court if you wanted to terminate a pregnancy clearly it's an unwanted pregnancy it's an unplanned pregnancy it's traumatic and you don't want to carry it forward and if it is safe for you to for if the doctor saying that it's safe for her to terminate the pregnancy then then you can't have this very arbitrary moral standards on what can be terminated the good abortion and the bad abortion debate right and which is what is also plaguing the indian legal framework on abortion and that has to be addressed i mean end of the day if the abortion services are uh, sorry if the abortion if the termination is possible at any stage of pregnancy and if it's safe it should be allowed for anyone and and i think that disability exceptionalism that the law has created is really problematic because then you are saying that certain kind of fetuses don't deserve to live and certain kind do and 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 you know you basically attribute value to certain life over the other and and that creates a disability exceptionalism and it's it's basically a eugenic rational and and we are trying to justify eugenic rational through laws policies and rights we can't do that so i mean this is a really important question for us to deliberate on if the pregnancy termination is safe at any stage then why have conditions and what what do these conditions even mean right so i think up to 24 weeks at least some of this has been addressed uh we still don't know i mean there is a case that went to the high court last week and and the and the termination i think for 23 weeks and it was denied so you know the termination of 23 weeks is also being denied so while the supreme court has expanded the categories of women definition and material circumstances a very broad term uh you you still have doctors denying abortion you still have judges 
rejecting abortion requests. So, I mean, it is really complicated and it just means that a lot more women will continue to seek un- unsafe abortion and will continue to either seek un- unsafe abortion or carry unwanted pregnancy to term. Quickly talk to us about this gestational limit thing, ma'am. The 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 World Health Organization... Abortion care guidelines have recommended that laws should not prohibit abortion based on gestational age limits, correct? Right, absolutely. So the latest WHO guidelines, which is the 2022, they they categorically state that the pregnancy can be terminated at any stage, which is what, what Indian law also says. And there is a Ministry of Health guidelines in India, which also says that after 24 weeks, this is how we terminate pregnancy. There is a process in place, a medical process, which is safe and is in place and the guideline actually uh, elaborates on what the process looks like so basically the who guidelines very categorically say that you should not have gestation period because if you have gestation period you have uh, because gestation period is also not very scientific and it's very arbitrary in the sense that you will say you know like you will say 20 20 weeks 24 weeks 28 weeks and every jurisdiction has different understanding of what this gestation period looks like. But the point is that most gynecologists agree that abortion termination can happen at any week and they are happening at every week and they have legally been allowed in India through court orders, even at late stages. So this entire construct is arbitrary. The gestation construct is extremely arbitrary and we need to move beyond gestation period now. And and so, so yeah, I mean, the WHO guidelines are really important, but also Indian law, I think, is one of the few laws in the world which says that no upper gestation limit. But I think what Indian law does is it, it has gradation of what, who can get termination when. And the conditional understanding of who can get abortion when is what is complicated. And then and, and it makes it not rights-based or, or will-based. Last question, ma'am, before we sign off. So, I, so there have been reports now after last year's judgment, which, as you pointed out to us, broadened the, the scope of abortion services, including unmarried and single women, etc. Uh, this should ideally have helped a lot more women access safe legal abortions. But on the ground reports have shown that because the rules, the MTP rules haven't been amended and it was only a court judgment, women are still finding it difficult to access abortion after 20 weeks. Yeah, I mean, this is a classic case of like having really good judgments, but not being implemented on the ground. But I have to say with abortion, it's not just the judgment, even the law is not being implemented. Like we we actually came up with a, at the Center for Justice uh, uh, Law and Society, we came up with a manual for doctors to clarify that abortion is legal in India if you do it under Section 3 and 5 of the MTP Act. And uh, and you're protected under uh, from prosecution under Section 8. And yes, it's criminal, but there is an exception and there's a legislation that exists. So I think uh, the implementation is really problematic, but it's got more, more problematic because of these conflicting laws. So basically, there has to be a harmonization of these laws. And, and these and, and, and it's really important to sort of take away the carceral criminal framework from these laws to regulate abortion. You don't need criminal law to protect. Criminal law cannot protect. You need an enabling legislation which allows for autonomy to prevail. And that's when the law can really be enabling. And the fear, you can take away the intimidation and fear from the minds of the healthcare providers or the person seeking abortion or person who's supporting abortion seekers. So, and, and, and that has to happen, uh, you know, uh, by doing multiple amendments and by uh, taking away many, many of these uh, draconian legal 
criminal framework from each of these uh, legislations. And I think that's one of the ways to sort of address it. But I think uh, the Supreme Court judgment is uh, really important and it's significant and it adds to the current legal framework. So I would argue that we have to read the current legal framework as the 2021 amendment plus the um, the ex versus principal secretary case and that sort of creates curates a very good framework but you're right like we 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 do need a legislative acknowledgement of this supreme court or uh, you know a uh, very supreme court uh, decision so for example the mtp act continue, continues to use the word woman right a woman can terminate but the judgment actually clearly states that it's not just the woman that can terminate it's a pregnant person that can terminate so i think that change is really required and but as far as the law is concerned, it's legal. Any pregnant person in India can terminate now. There's a Supreme Court decision, right? But it has to have some kind of grounding in terms of legislative changes as well. So I agree with that. And and But I think the implementation by itself is not just challenging of the Supreme Court order. Even the law is really hard to implement. And I think there has to be a lot of a lot more advocacy about abortion and safety, uh, safe, uh, you know, like how abortion services are both legal and safe. And, and they need to be more affordable. So I think law in itself cannot address these concerns. There are very deep-seated concerns around structural challenges on accessing abortion services. Uh, the, you know, uh, most, some uh, abortion healthcare services sometimes are not provided in public hospitals. And uh, even if they are provided in public hospitals, you're, you're not usually using the, the more medically approved methods. So, I mean, there are many, many concerns that have been highlighted by many social scientists and, and doctors and uh, researchers in the past. And, and we need to address uh, not just rights, but justice aspects. So we need to think of abortion issue as a reproductive justice issue, where rights are important, but rights can only be translated once we can actually also address the structural constraints on accessing abortion services in India. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Professor. Thank you so much, Beth. It was nice talking to you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.